Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoop's World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Another edition of Swoops Row Late Night. It is March 23rd, 2016. And uh, looking forward to, uh, we're supposed to have Anthony Davis on the night. So hopefully uh, we'll get a hold of him and uh, get a chance to chat with him for a little bit and uh, catch up. It's been uh, it's been a few weeks. But I uh, hope everybody's doing well. And, uh, of course, our thoughts are going out to people out there in uh, Brussels that have gone through some stuff uh, with this terrorist attack stuff yesterday, and uh, I was talking about that on, on Xander Gibbs' show, the X-Rad Daily, earlier today, and I had a chance to co-host with uh, Xander, which I always enjoy, and I'll be doing it again uh, tomorrow at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time, so I uh, look forward to, to talking to him some more about that. We are going to take our first break and uh, come back and hopefully have AD in the line. You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network. Sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com. And uh, let's see, who do we want to listen to today? How about a little Bobby Joe Valentine? This is uh, Come Back to Bed. Back after this. Waters tend to run dry 
Someday we'll have to sail through darker skies. There's always danger in unknown country. But now the night is clear and we can see the stars. And there's no creatures here to tear our hearts apart. And I will be with you, dear, until our lights grow dark. And my love, you're all I need. Come back to bed with me. children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You see me around the neighborhood and you tell me that I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every five children in America and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we can grow up to be whatever we want. I want to grow up to be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everybody. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide eight meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we are Feeding America, brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Talk Story Radio. Hey, this is John Gannon, and I just had the greatest time on Swoop's World here. Summers are long and hot for kids. Good evening. Good evening. We'd like to welcome back to the show our good friend and colleague, the wonderful, great Anthony Davis, uh, outstanding Two-time All-American, five-time national champion out of USC. He played in the NFL and the Canadian Football League as well as the World Football League. How you doing, man? Doing good. 
It's always uh, always great to have a chance to catch up, and uh, it's been a couple weeks, but uh, we'll just jump right into it, man. There's so many things been going on in sports over the last uh, last few weeks, and and some of the top stories uh, as as it, uh, you know as it goes towards the NFL. Um, the last uh, couple of days, I w- I've been checking out, and kind of want to get your opinion on some of these, man. Uh, for instance, uh, I saw an article here on uh, ESPN.com. It says, Jerry Jones, you know, he's really interested in Johnny Manziel. And uh, basically he says, before he considers signing Johnny Manziel to play quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, he wants a former Heimann Trophy winner to get his life turned around. Uh, you know, we've seen Johnny a, a few years in the league now. Uh, he's a guy who, uh, you know, he, he's grown up, uh, he's done well growing up. Uh, he's kind of had everything he's ever wanted. And uh, he kind of seems like a little, a little spoiled kid. Is this guy worth taking a risk on? Well, the thing is, what I, from afar, what I said, the fact that he comes from a wealthy family, I don't know how wealthy that is. But the fact when you feel you're entitled like that, that creates a lot of problems. And then, you know, he, you know, I think it's a bit a little delusional also, too, you know, uh, when you see with these top black athletes in the world, look here, you you, know, you need to realize where you got to come. <laughs> I mean, that's that's me, and that's how I think. And so, so first of all, you were great at a, you know, A&M, uh, and you went on to Cleveland, but, but I wouldn't put it all on Johnny McGill in terms of that Cleveland was uh, uh, in transition with, with, with coaches, organization, and so that affects everybody from, from the ownership all the way down to the ball players. Johnny Menzel also obviously publicly is known to have a poor uh, thing with alcohol. Uh, I don't know if he, he takes the, the prescription drugs or whatever that is. There's all kind of rumors about him. But the problem is, yes, yeah, if Jerry Jones is putting that on the platter for him, he better straighten himself out because uh, Jerry Jones is, is the modern-day Al Davis. And as you know, back in the day, Al Davis gave other guys a chance where they didn't make another, other, other organizations. Now, if Jerry Jones... Is sincere about what he's doing. He better get his act together. You know, he's had some some things with other players in the history with Jerry Jones of the Cowboys, and he does a long line of other players that come in and Jerry Jones give him a second chance. Right. So if, if he's getting a second chance like that, if you come in and come back to his hometown and and and, and restage yourself, because you know how it is in America, you all get a second chance. You know, everybody wants a guy to give him another chance. Sometimes second, third, fourth chances. But the bottom line is, if that's if he's putting that out for Johnny Menzel, what I would do is clean myself up, go to some rehab, start talking to some real people, and and, and seeking some advice. He can call me; I'll straighten him out. He can call Jim Brown; I'll straighten him out. He can call us. You know. So the thing is, that's what he needs to do, and he's gonna get another shot shot in the NFL. You know, and uh, Dallas will be a good place for him. Dallas will be a good place for him. We've seen, we've seen. You, you know, you mentioned the Raiders, and you mentioned uh, some of the things that, uh, that Jerry Jones has done too. We've seen a lot of players uh, have get gone to other teams, gotten a second chance after they've uh, made a lot of mistakes and 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 uh, turned out. You know, we're able to to, to thrive under different under different circumstances. We've also seen a number of those players continue to the same behavior and continue to get in trouble and continue to fail. Uh, you know, you, if you put on your owner's hat, how do you decide which which guys are worth taking the risk on? Well, you know, you never know. I mean, they become a wild card after that. You don't know what is what what you're gonna get. You might have some guys with continue the same behavior. Some guys stop cold and flourish and do well. You know, but but you never know. It's always be a wild card. You don't know what's coming out of that jack in the box. 
You know, he might stay in the box and stay fine and calm. He might jump out of the box and be nuts and crazy. So <laughs> yeah. you, you just never know. I mean, if you got a sixth sense that you can control this guy and get him on pace and have some leadership on that team or somebody that he can take take him under his wing and just let him know, hey, man, you can't do this, you can't do this. I'll be the first one to turn you in if you do this. That's what he's going to need. I'm telling you, he's going to need something like that. Or some other outside influence, positive influence, to say, look, you got an opportunity to play in this league. You got an opportunity to make a great lot of money. You have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. You know, why mess it up? What's the matter with you? You know how many guys want to be in your position? I mean, he's got to have somebody pounding that all the time. And also, too, he can't be delusional. I mean, because, man, you ain't all of that. You ain't proved anything yet. Right. I mean, a lot of people think what you did at AM was a fluke season, a fluke year, a fluke team anyway. No one expected AM to do what you did there. So that's what a lot of people say. They didn't see enough consistency. It was like a it was it was like a one year flourish, and that was it. So I mean, you know, so he was in the right place, right time for that for for that stain. But when he got to the National Football League with with Clinton, if he'd have shown the same thing he did in M&M with a bad team, people would say, you know, something. If this guy had pieces around him, he'd be something else. But he didn't do that. Right. He just felt when the team was crumbling, he crumbled. What's interesting is um, the Browns gave him several opportunities and he continued to get in trouble. You've frequently talked about the opportunities in your era and how soon guys would be out of the league with certain behaviors. Um, what do you think the difference is then and now? There's no tolerance then. I mean, if you was on drugs and those back in them days, you were gone. And then, and, and, and then if you were on drugs, you got pop. You better be a superstar, or you weren't getting that chip. You were marginalized. You, you know, you had potential. You were out of the league. They didn't play that. I remember the story. I think back in time when Dwayne Thomas was, was with the Cowboys, after he won the MVP, had gotten some kind of scab. He was gone. He was he was he was gone right after the MVP year in the Super Bowl when they won the Super Bowl seventy one. Wow. So I mean, now and this is a guy that was the MVP of the Super Bowl. And won, and won the NFC championship and the NFL championship. Right. And Johnny Manziel doing what he's doing, getting in trouble with the police, the rehab, going to Vegas with a wig. I mean, come on. <laughs> that had never happened in my day. Never. I don't care if you're black or, black or white. Never. And you got to remember, back in the 60s, Paul Horning and Alex Karras was suspended a year for gambling. Yeah, I remember Didn't that. Didn't play the whole year. Story, yeah. Didn't play the whole year. Now, now, now today... It, it, in, in today's game, there's so much leniency. It's unbelievable. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. You got you wouldn't leave, you wouldn't you wouldn't last two minutes in the league when I was playing. Does, does... matter of fact, I can even expose something with me. If me, if I complained to Coach and K. My chest said, Coach, I need. To, I don't care how bad Tampa Bay is. I want I want Ricky Bell and I in the same backfield. You got to create something for me and you in the same backfield. Ricky Bell and I. I had that conversation with him. I didn't care. And I got ostracized for even questioning that. <laughs> well, here I am. Here you got two hiding and choking runner-up guys in the same backfield, and I'm and I'm trying to promote me and him. And I got and I got crucified for saying that. That's how that's how different it is from my day and today. <laughs> and I wasn't on dope. I, I wasn't on dope. I wasn't chasing this. I wasn't doing this to women. You know, I mean, back in the day, it was a whole different day. So, so that's still the contrast of difference of then and today. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm talking about, and and I was questioned, and, and basically they, they 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 got on my behind by saying, well, Anthony Davis questioned authority and questioned 
the play calling and stuff. Why don't you just sit there and be? That's what they were doing to me. I was trying to say, hey, coach, remember together? We were in FC together. We were part of two national titles. And you, Ricky Bell, and I were on the same team. And you have him a number one draft choice. I'm a top pick. And you got us both in the same battle. You got to figure out something to keep us in, both us in the game. And I got, I got crucified for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so here, here you got guys that are not only not being disciplined, not only guys going out after hours, known out, only to be drinking alcohol, giving parties, but all this tweeted stuff, taking pictures, taking selfies, going to Vegas, putting wigs on, doing all this kind of stuff, whatever the activities are, and, and they're getting second, third, and fourth chances. And now he got Jerry Jones. Hey, Johnny, all you got to do is clean your act up and show me some friends what you did texting in. You're on the team, on the route, and maybe with a little, a little bit of break, break here and there, you could be the starter. Yeah. So I don't, I don't understand the mentality of these kids today. These guys, I don't care if they're black, white, green, whatever. A lot of these guys are off the chart, have no clue, and don't know what the opportunities are. And also, by the way, the kind of money they're making today. Right. I remember back in the day when I was playing, guys had two jobs. <laughs> Working, playing football, and often they had jobs. Yeah. It's 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 really it's really something to look at, and then you see and you see you know you know you're like you were saying guys had two jobs and guys would uh, uh, frequently not only have the two jobs but they kind of stay in shape in the off season. We have so many stories these days of guys coming in the camp out of shape. Um, you know, there's a few, I mean, there's a lot of elite players that do uh, you know come come to camp, but you always hear every, every season you hear. Something about some guy who's a franchise player or an elite athlete star on a team, you know, coming into camp out of shape, and you go, well, you had the whole freaking, um, you know, three or four months off, and you get to hit the weight room every once in a while. I mean, how, how do you come into camp out of shape, and, and especially with the amount of money you're making? So, um, it's it's really it's really interesting to see different eras and see the little nuances that happen between eras uh, over the years, uh, regardless of what sport it is. But uh, you, you know the. the... I, thought, I, the I remember when I came to the league and stuff. I didn't, you know, I guess I was a breakthrough guy, where the, the where the money I was receiving, I didn't have to work. It was year round for me. And the other guys, my team, I felt bad because a lot of them had to work. Yeah. So so I mean, you know, and you know, you, you have to say, well, wow, I said, you know, so I felt a little guilty about it. And you know, here's guys with, with great players, and I'm up here making all this money, and these guys are going to go have jobs, you know, in the off season. And I didn't have to do that. Yeah. Uh, still on the uh, on the NFL note here, man. Uh, I, I I'm seeing some uh, some talk about uh, people are speculating on uh, will Kaepernick uh, end up staying with the 49ers or end up elsewhere, and where will our G three end up? You know, you you uh, you know you know a lot of the coaches, you know a lot of the systems that are out there. You have a good eye for good fits. Where do you, where do these guys fit in the league? Do you think? First of all, let me say this about Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick, I can visualize him being with the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos. And I and, and I and I can and I don't know why Elway's gonna consider. He might be in my neck. Look, Elway was athletic, Kaepernick's athletic. Elway can throw the ball, Kaepernick can throw the ball. Kaepernick's been to a Super Bowl, playing two away from the Super Bowl. Championship. They already know if he's got the right piece in the coaching round, what he can do in Flores. That whole situation in San Francisco with Kaepernick is all coaching and, 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 and uh, organization. Got nothing to do with athletic ability, period. If he's with the Denver Broncos, I think they flourish big time. 
Broncos would be great for him. I think San Diego would be great for him. Yeah. You know, right off the top of the bat, I see, I see Denver and San Diego for him. RG3, that's a tough one, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know where RG3 goes. Um, but he's got to be with a team that's going to have all the certain pieces around him as well. RG3 is athletic, but as you know, you've you got to question his durability and his health. But he's got to be with someone that's going to believe in him and work and stick with him. You know, you can't. And you can't change offensive systems and have coaches come in there because they change and have different philosophies. Right. I, I don't think Kirk Cousins is the answer in Washington. You know, I think he's a decent ball player. He's got some, he don't have RG3 talent. But uh, but I don't know where RG3 can go and fit in right now. Unless I say, you know, Chicago, the Jets. You know what I mean? I can see, I can see those bits right there. Do do you see? I know I know these guys both have the talent, but with the way the league is uh, is is established right now, do you see them going somewhere uh, as a starter? Or do you see them uh, starting off the season as backups? Well, look, listen, look, Kaepernick and RG three have proven to be starters. Okay, of course they're going to be backups, but but these guys easily can be starters. And, I, and I, I'm telling you that that's kind of talent and DA those guys. That's the kind of DNA they have in within their system. I mean, they can start even they're going to be backups. I mean, that's where it's going to be. You know, I mean, first of all, Kaepernick got to come to learn the system. Right. RG3's got to learn the whole new system, and they ain't got with a team yet. So therefore, uh, here it is. You know, here it is, April. No, I mean, what, what's, what's, what, what am I talking about? Just <laughs> here is March. <laughs> it's almost April here, and, and, and he should be with another team already. They can't be waiting around because if you got to get to another team, you got to learn that system. you got to get acclimated with the new ball players, the new coaches, and the whole surrounding. Right. That's a whole major adjustment. So so some team got to make the decision. Okay, and the longer they wait, definitely the what they're going to be. They're going to be backups. Uh, it if looks, not, they might be out to believe it or not. But I don't see Kaepernick being out of the league, and I don't see RG3 being out of the league. Right. It looks like, uh, you know, at first glance that uh, Denver Denver's a good pick for, for uh, anyone because, they you know, you got Manning retired and and uh, what's his name, Os, Os, Oswald or whatever his name is, uh, he's no longer there. So that seems like it, all, it frees up for somebody with the, with, the, with the talent that these two guys have. Oswald going going to Houston. Uh, I'm gonna say, whoa, Nelly, because you don't know what's gonna happen back down down there. Right. I mean, so you better enjoy the Super Bowl win, got your ring, and got your money. Because, <laughs> I mean, that, that could be a that, that could be a long season for him. <laughs> what are you saying, man? You said he had it. He had his chance, and uh, it, 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 he's living off memories from here on out, huh? <laughs> I mean, but, okay. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, you know, he could, you know, he could have stayed in Denver. I think if he waited so long, and I know how free agency is and how everything works and stuff, he said, "Hey, look, I have to go get this money right quick. I might not have an opportunity to make this kind of money." Right. Well, he have took, I took, I took Denver's money, stayed there, learned on the system, be with John Elway, with established organization and stuff, because Houston's up and down and, and stuff. With, with, with they've got a new coach in there. And, 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 you know, he's lost a running back, Lash Foster. 
I mean, so you don't know what you're going when you're getting it in in uh, in Houston, but you know what you're getting in Denver. Right. So I mean, I don't know what, what his representatives were thinking about. Okay, either they think about the money long term contract, or they felt that something was off off base with Denver. I don't see it, but I stay in Denver. That's what I do. do you I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if the contract and the money off was was, was widely uh, speculated, but I believe you stay in Denver. Do you think? Uh, I got, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead, man. No, no, I just believe you should have stayed in Denver. That, that's that's my that's my personal opinion. But you know, we all don't know the the one of the reasons why. Could have been money, could have been this, the terms, whatever it is. But in terms of the in terms of pedigree, in terms of system and consistency, Denver always being there, the AFC Championship and the, and the AFC West always at the top. Why would you want to leave there? Right. I mean, why would you want to do that? Unless it's all, unless the money was so much greater in Houston, the downside is you don't know what you get in Houston with the pieces around you. Do you think you know? And then we, you got to you got to go you got to go into Houston, learn a whole new system, and everything else. Whereas if you were under that system for so long, even though you were the backup, but you were there, you know, and they, they believed in you, they giving you the money. And you know, you know, all, all along there was going to be Peyton Manning until he left. You got that going in, but who knows? I don't know. So many people thinking, thinking, thinking of these days. Well, we we always hear the stories. We always hear uh, the statements. Uh, you know, the, the, the people make the right statements uh, at the right time because that's what you're supposed to do. But do you think there's? It's got to be a, a, a something where you you take over the starting position. You think you're doing well, uh, and you're doing you're doing pretty well. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Peyton Manning, obviously in his last year, uh, comes back and picks up in the second half of a game or whatever it was and, and takes him to the win and uh, it, it has his starting position back, which usually the starter does get his starting position back, but it didn't look like it was going to happen this time around. Uh, you think it, it had something to do with it? You think he, his, uh, his, his feelings were uh, a little ruffled there, that he didn't really get to play much after, after uh, Manning came back? Well, your pride takes over. I mean, anybody's the situation he was and stuff like that. I mean, you can just pride says. But the bottom line is, with Peyton Manning in the situation, the kind of money they were paying him, what they suspect, and everything else. You know, I mean, you expect anything with a situation like that. You know, here's a Super Bowl champion, record holder, and all the five-time MVP guy. I mean, you know, in my mind, so hey, well, you know, it's Peyton Manning. That's waiting my turn. That's what would have been my attitude. Right. And it was in his happened. Not only that. You can always say you're part of a Super Bowl. You got a Super Bowl ring, and not only that, you have a chance to make you get your own. But you got the same nucleus of people there. Why walk out of that? That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, now, I agree. Now, if, if, if this ego's taking over, that's being very foolish. <laughs> but but if, if the money was so drastically, he, he had to get the best thing while he's there because you know football can be can end any minute. So you never know what's in his head. Right. But from the, from the outside looking in, like we're looking in. You have all the ingredients of going back to the Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. That's my thing. Absolutely. That's my thing. Uh, yeah, I, I'd write that trade to start all over. Start all over to beat that contract, but you might start over and get a and might get a bit fat beating too. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Well, it's, it's, it's always interesting to speculate on these things and kind of take a look at these things and, and hear from, you know, your point of view. And, and you know, everybody's got an opinion. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it's one of those couple of things you just kind of wonder about. You're saying here you're coming off a Super Bowl championship. 
uh, Super Bowl win. Uh, the starting quarterback, you know, uh, you know going to be a Hall of Famer, who you've played behind for a number of years and took over the starting position for halfway through the season, is leaving. Uh, you guys, like you said, you have all the all the pieces in place to to make a big run for the the, the, the next year, and uh, it seems like this you want to stick around for at least at least that. Well, yeah, you post the Super Bowl year coming back. Come on, mm-hmm. you know you find out what you can do. You have the whole fresh year starting off, and you get acclimated with with with, with, the, with the players there. Find out what your little wrinkles are, your little nuances and stuff. What you want to do in the offense. There's a lot of the reason why you need to stay there. Right. And the, and, the, and, the, and this greed stepped in and said, you know, hey, you put a big time start, you're going to get all this money. Okay, you get all this money, but you don't have an ass kicking too. That's like Pulp Fiction when, uh, what's his name, tells uh, uh, the boxer. Uh, he's, he says, what you hear there, that's pride messing with you there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, but then, you know, you, you get the money, there's five so much is guaranteed. So we all don't know what happened with the Denver thing and, what Denver offered them and the whole deal, you know. Right. There's no you never know. All speculatory, man. I know you. Uh, I know you. You played a lot of baseball. Uh, you, you were an All American playing baseball. I mean, you know, you, three time national champion in baseball. Uh, what do you think about uh, uh, baseball in Cuba? You know, we, we we had a team play there for the first time in, in I don't know how long uh, yesterday. Uh, we've talked about in the past a lot about a lot of the Cuban players that, that are playing in the MLB here. What, what, what do you thought? What are your thoughts? Uh, you think it's going to open up a, a big flood of uh, players? Uh, a lot of talent going to be coming in from Cuba. First of all, first of all, that's all those guys do over there is play baseball. That's it's a major passion for that little island out there, and uh, the Cuban ball players are great players. And now that they know they can freely come over here, and so look, if they look, if, if if Obama and his administration can open up diplomatic relations with Cuba from a business and commerce standpoint, because and that's a suffering island, you know, island over there. So the bottom line is, baseball is a, is a common feeling about baseball for, for both countries. So now I'm gonna think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot of talent coming out of Cuba, a lot of talent, and. Uh, they're passionate about that game. And I'm, I'm sure the Tampa Bay Rays found out when they went up and they saw the competitive attitude of how those guys play. And, you know, they got some great players over there. Yeah. That can really play. We've seen. And I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's be more influx of uh, Cubans uh, coming here anyway. Yeah. We've seen the talent of uh, a lot of the players that have come there. And I know we have a lot of players in the, in the Major League Baseball from the Dominican Republic also. Um, you know, one of those places where baseball is really, really huge. With 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 that opening up, you know, we've talked, we've spoken about in the past, uh, and you you've brought it up in the past, the the number of uh, the lower numbers of African American players in, in the league um, over the over the years. Do you think with the influx of uh, you know the players from Cuba and, and uh, you know in the Dominican Republic and all these other places? The numbers are going to continue to diminish amongst African American players. Well, it's that way anyway, due to the fact that in the inner cities they don't play baseball anymore. I mean, it's not fathers. No, you don't have any of the black fathers and around the country. Uh, a lot of kids want to play football and basketball. Uh, I think that's the problem. And, 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 and baseball is a nurturing thing. You got to have 
fundamental teaching starting from six, seven years old all the way up. You, you, that's 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 gone. If you go in the suburbs, where in the you know the suburbs of white areas and stuff of take just take Southern California, you know out, outskirts of Orange County and all the rest around the places, is that they have nursing baseball leagues. Well, in the inner city, the primary blacks live. They don't have that like they used to, and so that's the decline of what's going on. It's a bit of deterioration in inner cities, inner cities nationally on why you don't have that much influx of black ball players anymore. And I know it's been a movement. Why do you think you know, that is? Uh, well, because there's, there's, no fam- there's, there's no family hold there anymore. I mean, it's, black fathers just don't, are not around. They don't teach their kids. And the inner city with the gang activity and stuff like that, it just doesn't happen anymore. What can happen? You either join a gang or you want to go out and play baseball. Right. Baseball. It's just not happening anymore like it used to. There were more black participation when I was playing coming up than it is now in the last 20 years. Right. We've lost two generations of baseball amongst blacks in this country. I mean, you can count the, you can count the, count the black ball players that's been nurtured in this country on your hand in every organization in Major League Baseball. And, then, and all the way down from, from single A to the Major League. But but you see a lot you see but but the but the farm system around the country are filled with Latin ball players. I mean, they're dying to get over here. You know, you get them from the Dominican. Now you got Cuba, you got some from South America, some from Mexico. But I mean that's what's going on, that's what's happening in the major leagues now. If you look at all the major league rosters, what do you see? You know? Latin ball players. Yeah. And you might see one or two you might see one or two or three, four black ball players on the roster. Whereas it's 35 years ago, it was what Latin ball players are today. Right. Well, well you know, it's been a shift. A lot of it, you know, and I blame us, the United States, for letting the ball for baseball deteriorate in, 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 uh, in uh, the minority area. I mean, matter of fact, you can talk about, you talking about Latins and blacks in this country that lacked as well. But there's even more, since more Latins trying to play baseball in this country who were born here than there are American blacks. You said something that's interesting, and it's so true. Is, is you know, it's a game of fundamentals. Uh, it's you know, I remember just I know, growing up playing little league and all that kind of stuff. But I remember the guys who got really good at playing baseball and and went on to play uh, you know in the high school and the college level. It was a lot of it was a lot of repetitive fundamental work. I mean, you know, like you were saying, the dads were out there hitting ground balls to them, hitting ground balls to them, hitting ground balls to them, and, and working you know working on steps and things like that. Where other sports. Yeah, you know, you could pretty much grab a basketball and go out and, and play a pickup game. Uh, and, you know, the, the fundamentals that are taught are usually taught on the court with the coaches. Uh, but with baseball, when I was growing up, uh, you did have a lot of fundamental work amongst uh, amongst families, you know, dads, uncles, things like that. Well, that's what I had. All the kids and I already had that. Yeah. I remember as a kid growing up, Northeast Valley. You know, uh, Bronco League, who was a black father, I remember that he, they leased land from the city and cultivated the land and had us all out there playing. And, and, and I played on the first all-black Bronco League Little World Series team that went all the way to New Bedford, Massachusetts in 1965. It's going to show you how it was then versus now. Right. I mean, not now you, you look at the Little League World Series, you had those teams from Chicago and Philadelphia and all that. But that was rare. For them to, to assemble those teams to get them there. So, uh, 
And I, and I know some of those kids in those leagues might fall through off, and some we might see in the major leagues one day if they stick with it. Right. So, you know, I can see, I can see it coming back, but it's not, it's, it's, it's not flourishing like it did 40 years ago. It's just not doing that. Yeah. Kids are interested different. And you got to remember, look, and with, this, with the revolutionary thing of the, of the Internet and Twitter and Instagram, kids are more interested in that now they're going out and playing baseball. They're really being from the computer instead of being on the field like we were playing baseball. This, and then on combination of that, with you know, with, with with the deterioration of baseball in the cities and the gangs and all this kind of stuff, that kills it too. So, but 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 they know right away they can get to basketball and football, and that's where they go. That's that's where you see all the talent going. You mentioned something there that is uh, is very very. Uh... It's a topic that comes up a lot is the fact that kids uh, spend a lot of time with playing with you know technology uh, and less time outside and moving around. You know, we used to go outside and play till the street lights came on and we played sports, uh, whether organized or out in the street or out at the park. Uh, you know, and a lot of kids now, all their, their sports is uh, NFL Madden and, and uh, it's all on TV. It's all, you know, computerized and stuff like that. Um, and then we hear, you know, stories about us being, the, the, you know, so such an out of shape nation and, and whatnot. What do we do? To, how, do how are we going to get to, you know, I know a lot of kids are, are participating in sports. They're participating in soccer and, and organized football, organized basketball and whatnot. But how do we get the kids to go back to uh, that type of activity that, that you and I uh, remember growing up? That's an and you know, I don't have an answer for that, Keith. I really don't have an answer for that. I mean, what are you going to move the suburbs? I mean, the parks are deteriorating in the city everywhere. You go around the whole United States. You you go to the city. What do you see? You don't see us playing baseball anymore as little, as little kids. Yeah. It's only rare. Like I said, I just mentioned Philadelphia, Chicago. That's what I saw. I was saw the little world city, and that's what I saw. If everybody can start on that trend, but that but but that's nothing compared to the rest of the United States. Right. That have it all in the suburbs. We don't have that. Blacks don't live in the suburbs like like whites do, and so that's a lacking of 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 of, uh, of that as well. And it's not as int- the interest in baseball is not there anymore either. The black father's not in the home anymore like they used to be. Even though it was a struggling thing, even when I was growing up, it's not like it is now. There's so many fathers that are missing in the black family. This is unbelievable. And then the deterioration of the inner city. Now, I know Kenny Landro, the former Dodger, who I know, was, was, was working in Compton trying to rejuvenate that, yeah. rejuvenate that. And uh, I, I think it's had some relative success, relative success with it. But I don't think uh, it's, it's catching on like he wants it to. And the rest is former work. Another guy like Daryl Thomas as well, former Dodger, right. who works in that stuff. So, I mean, I wish him the best, but I don't see any progress coming that way anytime soon. It's going. It's going to take a while to get it back if it ever comes back. Yeah. Well. But 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 filling the hole, like you said, the Latin ball player is filling that hole. But also too, you know, I always tell people. I mean, when they when they stopped the slave ships, they just stopped in Cuba and everybody came on up and they just start, started speaking Spanish because if you look at Cuban Dominican, they were all Spanish colonies anyway. So during the slave trade, they dropped off there and they just migrated on. They just, <laughs> they just start. <laughs> they, just, they, just, they, just, they just stayed over there. We came up to the Americas, 
and that was it. So basically, that's the same origin. They just speak Spanish. Those are just brothers. Are just... <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. Let's move on. Let's move well, on. I tell people, <laughs> well, I told people, I said, I said, the great Roberto Clemente, he's a descendant from a slave. So, I mean, he's, he just had Roberto Clemente behind his name. That's all. That was all Spanish colonies down there. Right. Because all of them were in the flag trade during the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that's, you know. And people look, wow, man. When I told them, yo, God, you, you make a good point there. I said, well, well learn the history and you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, 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 let's talk about something else that I know is near and dear to your heart. And, uh, and, and I saw an article that, uh, the other day on this um, young man. And his family, uh, his name is uh, Tom Cutinella, and uh, he was a football player in uh, New Jersey, I'm sorry, uh, Elwood, New York, and uh, he uh, took an illegal hit uh, in the third quarter, uh, which caused some brain trauma, and uh, he eventually uh, passed away, and uh, his father is now on a mission to uh, bring about some change, and now he's not trying to get rid of football or anything. But what he, you know, his son, uh, you know, he, his thing is, is he wants to see the the NFL and all these other uh, uh, levels of the sport uh, makes take steps to uh, take steps to uh, create a healthier environment and understand that. Uh, there should be some things do, done to uh, prevent some of this, these injuries and the CTE and whatnot. And uh, I don't know if you know this story, but uh, I know that uh, CTE and concussions uh, are, are a big part of what you, uh, what you advocate, uh, you know, making changes on these days. And you have the book about it. And tell me uh, if you are familiar with, the, with this story or, or your thoughts on this uh, as a whole. Well, I'm familiar with the story. And it's surprising, as you remember, last year they had nine related football deaths in youth. Also, concussions are up 60% in the National League from last year. Yeah. 50% higher. So I don't know what he's, what he's attempting trying to do, but what I tell people anyway, when you play football and you put a helmet on your head, there's going to be trauma. No one escapes that. And, you know, you got to remember, when a little kid starts when to put your helmet on his head, the trauma starts. Well, kids start developing the trauma because they're getting hit in the head. Yeah. Pop one, junior high school, high school, college. And if you're forced to go to the pros, it's going to be more trauma. The longer you play, more the trauma. So I don't know how you can change the basis of football now. I don't see any changes unless they just stop the game. Right. Only I can say is that you, 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 you look, listen, if, if you don't let kids go to high school, just start playing in high school, then that might shut shut some of the stuff down. But but once you put the helmet on, the trauma comes. So whether if you cut it off from the, the pop on the level to the, the junior football and you go into high school or whatever, but still, the trauma comes. Now, I really didn't start playing football. I mean, well, I started getting the trauma when I was 13, 14 years old and Pop Warner. Right. When I got to high school and college and the pros, and I think I'm, I think I'm relatively sharp. And I'm in good shape. My mind is in good shape. But also, it varies from player to player, age to age. But I don't know how he can prevent anything. 
I mean, yeah, you can say once a guy gets hit and you see something wrong, you pull him out and you start getting observed. Well, everybody's different. Some guys can take a shot in the head and have a concussion still play. Some guys take a shot in the head and have a concussion can't play. Right. And sometimes somebody get hit in the head and it affects them right away. Sometimes somebody gets hit in the head, it affects them a day or two later. And then sometimes, some rare cases, a couple of days later, the kid, whatever, whoever it is, whoever player it is, passes away. That's what, that's what happened to his son. Yes. You see, so concussion protocol on all levels is a must. But what I tell people is that, remember, when you put a helmet on your head, the trauma starts. No one escapes it. Some gets it more than, than the others. Somebody handles it better than others. Genetically, we're all made up different. The concussions affect you differently. And some guys will play long. Some guys will play a short time. But believe me, the guys who play longer suffer the biggest consequences. For example, ask Mike Webster. Ask Junior Seau. And ask the guys who play 10, 15 years in the NFL. So now what I know about brain trauma and what I've been through. Well, my little security in NFL, we got to remember, I started playing football, working on football from 12 to 28. You got guys who play three or four years of Pop Warner, four years of high school, which is seven, and then you look at Junior Sale and put on 19 more years. You see, so I don't care if you play two years of football or 20 years of football. When you take blows in the head, there's trauma. And I don't know how this gentleman can do anything other than just have everybody be in check every time they, if they sense there's a hit, a head blow, and they think it's serious because what I see what people are doing now, they, they watch the head collision. Right. And if somebody gets the head collision, they pull them to the side, they start started observing them. If that's going to come to that point, well, Everybody, everybody in football going to be taking their hammers off and they're going to be going through looking at their eyes. So I'm just saying, you, well, how, how, how do you determine that? See, that's the, the catch-22. How do you determine all of the trauma like that? There's no, I don't see how you can do it. Right. One of the and things... all I know, all I know is that mothers who watch their kids play football it's a sort of it's sort of a crazy movement now. Do I want do I want my son to play football? Or when do I let him play football? But if he if he does have talent, do I need to hone that talent and start fundamentally teaching him? Or when I just hold him out till he gets to high school? Well, you got to start fundamentals at, at a younger age, right? Until you when you get to high school. And if you start in high school, you're fundamentally behind. One of the things uh, that happened since we last spoke, and and you've you've been uh, speaking on this for quite a while, and I know that Dr. Amen and Dr. Malu have also, but the NFL finally had a, an official, a top official, admit that there is a link between football and CTE. What were your thoughts when you heard this? Well, about time. I mean, you can't you can't keep denying them. Look, when you have certain people like. Metro, uh, uh, Calvin Johnson, Patrick Willis, and the kid, Chris Dorman, is that his name, I think? 
But the former 49ers, the two for that, when they retire like they do, did. I think one was 23 years old. I think was Patrick was, what, 28, something yeah, like that? Yeah, they were all in their 20s, I believe. Yeah, and, and, uh, and Calvin Johns was 31, just turned 31. When you got guys like that retiring, that wakes up the league, and that wakes up all the ball players too. You see, now the ball players with all the talk of concussions, in my book out being talking about concussions, they're realizing that I don't know how long I should play this game. And, oh, by the way, when I get out of this game, I better start getting checked and start getting treated if I have some issues there, if you see something on, on the brain. See, that's, see that's, what, that's the thought process now. There's been so much talk about it and so much exposed about the movie Concussion. Dr. Bennett O'Malo, guys like Dr. Amon, who I've worked closely with, is now, who wrote the forward in my book. Everybody's aware of it now, and there's no denying it. For example, you take an owner like Robert Kraft, the Patriots, if he knew down the road that Tom Brady would suffer from concussion trauma, he would do all he can to help Tom. I know he's that passionate. You see, if this guy helps you build that brand and help you win them Super Bowl, you, and you heard that he was having problems, he would do something to help. And all I say to these NFL owners, even the NC2, look, you're the richest men collectively in the world. You set up a medical fund for all your former players who made that brand and made you all that money. You know, they made money too, but not what you're making. But also, be able to know they're going to have a functional life and a quality of life after the game is over. But there's a lot of stories out there, Keith. Yeah. I mean, this guy's taking cars, he lost his job. I mean, a lot of guys are not focused. Their memories go in and out. They got, they, they got pre-dementia. You got guys out there dying in their late 50s and early 60s. So I, I knew I knew a couple of but we put Rob McNeil, John Mackey. Well, so I, mean, no, I just I just so, saw, so. I saw an article about a guy and and uh, a news report about a guy and and I, and uh, later I found out that you you've reached out to him too, uh, Chris Brimer, uh, an SC guy played in the NFL. Uh, you know, they, his, his ex wife says he's 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 not there anymore. He's 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 living. As a you know, homeless, uh, all because of the uh, everybody believes is because of the head trauma he suffered in all those years playing. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I know that we are reaching out to him, uh, whether or not they want help or not. But the thing is, man, he's mentally ill. He's brain damaged. Yeah. And so the brain, he has to get out there and he's got, he's got to get treated, which he's never been treated. I don't even know if he's had a brain scan. So I know that Dr. Amon, we're trying to reach out to him. See, we can help him. Right. But, 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 see, but he's, he's the documented case that's in the press. It's other, it's other ball players like that as we speak. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just not him. There's a lot more. There's a lot more out there. And there's people out there now that are trying to function that don't even know they have brain trauma. But with the word getting out, and more and more and more, People, them, friends, relatives, or reach out to the, these, these prospective ball players who has a problem and trying to get them help. And I'm glad I'm one of the voices in trying to get them help. I'm the only player, former player, along with you know a few other guys like George Levins and, and uh, Bill Romanowski. But I'm the only one really out there that has a book around it and really been advocating it and really highly publicized for, for 
that you'll be talking about. And I want more to join this bandwagon. So, uh, word's getting around. And I know the NFL cannot deny this anymore. This is a major factor. Just admit it. And just Instead of going to a lawsuit, just you owners collectively get together, and we need to set something up for these former players and help these guys. Right. That's all I'm asking. I'm not saying, hey, abolish football. And this. No. Hey, what you need to do is let them know. Football can be detrimental to your health. And that's simply it. That's it. And whether or how long you want them to play, well, I believe what can happen down the road, I believe it's going to be a foot of limit on how long you can play. I think that's where it's going. Right. I, I, because, I'm, man, the longer, the longer you play, the more the trauma. I can foresee where uh, it, there's going to be some type of medical evaluation prior to each season or at the end of each season uh, for players uh, that determine if they're going to be uh, eligible to play, you know, or, you know, the, the next the next season or whatnot. Uh, I, I, I foresee a time where we're going to see something like that. Well, I can see it coming, too, because it, it's a medical liability. And, in, uh, and you know, these guys have to get their brains in. And then I believe also while they're playing, I think they need to be, on, like I said, they need to be on a, a supplement program and they need to be in a high-prepared treatment. And it, it's, just, it, it's, it's just like boxing. I mean, come on. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows if you see a guy get boxed, you get hit in the head all the time, people have some problems down the road. Well, same thing with football. But people never correlated football and boxing the same. Well, it is the same. But boxing and football are really close. And then you got the other sports, hockey. Hockey just as bad as bad, too. Soccer, the header. You see, so, and then you got the MMA fighters. And then you got the soldiers who probably more detrimental than any of the things I just mentioned after those. Those, those blasts that go through in Iraq and Afghanistan with those, with those traumatic brain injuries they have. Right. So, so the federal government should be helping these these, these, these former surgeons. As soon as they come back, that's the first thing you should do to these guys. You should bring out the red carpet for these soldiers coming back. Because for me and you to sit on and talk on it, about all this stuff, if those guys are protecting the rights, let's do what we're doing now. Oh, absolutely. So if you're protecting, so, so if you're protecting this country, what you need to do is red, lay out that red carpet for these guys coming back, and you treat them like a piece of gold. Not like a piece of garbage throwing the trash. you got to wait six months to get an appointment. It's a matter of our government. I'm with you, brother. The book, Kickoff Concussion, How the Notre Dame Killer Recovered His Brain, is available on lulu.com as well as Amazon and all the other sources. And that's AD's, uh, AD's book, and he'll tell, you know, it tells the story of, about his life and uh, some, and then the story behind him getting his brain scanned and all the things that go along with that. Ad, I want to thank you once again, man, for joining us, and uh, we're gonna do it again. Thank you very much, Swoops. <laughs> <laughs> sweet tooth. <laughs> there you go, sweet tooth. Sweet, sweet. Uh, all right, brother. We'll talk soon. Thank you. The great Anthony Davis, everybody. It's uh, always a pleasure to have him on and uh, get a chance to chat things up and uh, talk about what's going on in the world of sports. This is uh, Swoops World, and uh, we're here most Wednesday nights, and we want to thank you for listening, and uh, thank you for joining us. Maybe stay safe, have a great weekend, and as I always say, dream as if you'll live forever, live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. 